Hey guys, what's going on? This is Cheney 180 and I'm playing with myself. And you're listening to another episode of They're Not Dolls. Episode 237. And uh, we have a very, very special guest with us tonight. We have the one and only Brian Flynn from Super 7. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. Episode 237. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a, a test to stamina right there. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't even count the quickie minis which started also during the pandemic and that's it what is it two two hundred and something as well 201 so, yeah, yeah. so over 400 yeah technically over about 400 episodes <laughs> Woo. wow i congratulations a lot, of, a lot of toy talk yeah well you know I, I can't even, there's like eight analogies in my head and they're all fighting for prominence and none of them are coming out first, but that's a, it's a hell of a lot of work regardless. So congratulations on that. That's awesome. It, it, thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. It, uh, it makes it easy when there's so much news coming out, like just rapid fire all the time, you know, it makes it, uh, fairly Plus, easy. I don't, I don't do any of the work. Cheney does all the work. I just talk about toys. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair assessment. Uh, but as you said, you know, when noise coming, no, news coming out like that, I mean, I, definitely if you're a toy collector, this has to be the golden age of toy collecting. There has never been this many toys by this many company with this breadth of lines, with this quality ever in yeah. the history of toys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely the golden age. I know that, you know, uh, We'll, we'll kick that idea back and forth sometimes about, you know, like, is it, is it too much or whatnot? It's like, you you gotta understand, man, it's, it's, it's never been like this. And the fact that people have choices between, you know, sometimes four or five different companies doing the same property, like that, that's where, you know, the, the, we, the collectors win, you know, you get to choose what you want or you could just go all in and collect it all. Like, do we, do we win though? Because I want it all. I just don't have, I mean, like I don't have the money or the space for it all is the problem. True. True. See, that, that's what's called aspirational living, right? Yes. Right. <laughs> I also call it credit cards. Yeah, that's not the best idea. Actually, no, I know. I, I will go back to one day. I will have giant rooms full of cases, but in the meantime, I will have this. So, where, where, um, how do you display your collection, Brian? Um, depends on what point in my life you're talking about. Uh, currently, it's only about half out, uh, and it's here at the office because before I had kids, I had a whole big room to myself and the house that we had had this giant office for your study thing it was massive it was originally built that way for the couple and when they had kids they had left plans on how to convert it into bedrooms mm-hmm. and we didn't have kids at that time so i had this giant space for it then we had kids and so we built it into the rooms and that took up half of it then i had another kid uh, and they shared a room for a while <laughs> then we had the third kid. And so then um, they had to go move to the office. office. And yeah. so we built the cases at the office. So it's, it's all, it's not here. It's over where the, the lunchroom is, is sort of surrounded by cases full of toys. But even then I can only get half of it in. 
Wow. And, on any given day. And, and that doesn't count anything I've made. <laughs> you already sound way smarter than me, Brian, because I, I, I have stuff displayed at the office as well. But I do the dumb thing where I buy doubles of stuff so I can have it at home and the office. You know, that, that, that there's stuff that I have more than doubles of, for sure. You know, I think I saw you just posted a, a Godzilla that you yes. yeah. the, uh, the Bullmark Flesh Godzilla, uh, which is if you're collecting vintage Japanese vinyls, specifically Toho, that is one of the holy grails. It took me 20 years to find one. And then in short order afterwards, I got a couple. At one point, I had four of them. I still have three of them because I'm not getting rid of one. It's like, it took me 20 years to find one. I'll take another. I'll take another. I don't care. I'll have as many of these as I can get. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, Chaney is super guilty of that. Like he'll show me his orders for like, you know, from Ami Ami. And he's got like three of the, the Medicom Moffex uh, Wolverines. And it's like three. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it makes me just as happy every single time. Yes. Yes. And then there's always, you know, with the, the more modern stuff, if something happens to one of them, I've got a backup right there. I don't have to like go online and try to find something like, Oh no, what, like, Oh, all the price has gone up. I'm going to have to pay that. And you know, it, uh, I like to just make sure everything's good right there and then, but we're, we're not here to talk about me tonight. Um, <laughs> we're, we're here to talk about you and we're here to talk about, you know, uh, some GI Joe, um, okay. some Godzilla, you know, okay. some of these awesome, um, Silver Hawks. <laughs> oh, wow. With the falsetto. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, vanilla, vanilla ice was last week. This yes. week. Uh, Silver Hawks is this week. Cartoon yeah. theme songs. Yeah. I'll do I'll do the Thundercats, but it's a it's a musical thing. So yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to say what's up to everyone in the chat. Um, Adam got uh, the night off, so he doesn't have to read names tonight. So yes, yeah, yeah. But uh, thanks you, thank you everyone for showing up. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into GI Joe, man. What uh, what what are uh, I guess what are, what are you most excited for from it? Like, what what was your, the most exciting part for you with, with GI Joe? Uh, I think the most exciting part was simply being allowed to play with it, being able to do something with it. Um, GI Joe is definitely one of those franchises that we've talked about for a long time, but then so has everybody else. I know a lot of people in the industry over the years that have made plays for GI Joe and not had any success. Um, you know, and if you're talking about Hasbro, that's, that is the baby. That's what really blew them open in the sixties. It helped them again in the eighties. That is, you know, something that's very near and dear to them. So to be allowed to go into the world of GI Joe and make our spin on what that would be, uh, was super exciting. And I, you know, as we were briefly mentioning before we started here, you know, that was 18 months ago and just trying to keep a lid on it for this long has been rather crazy. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, you don't know what I'm working on. <laughs> like, I could totally want to share this with you, but I can't. Yeah. You, you know? have no idea. And I want to tell you, but I can't, and you're going to like it. I'll just tell you right now. 
Well, I, th- there, there's a catch 22 is I don't know if you're going to like it, but I like it. Uh, right. You know, there, there's definitely some limitations and things that we're doing that is not going to be the thing that a lot of people want, but mm-hmm. that's okay because there's a lot of GI Joe you can get in a lot of different ways. And, True. Um, this is our version of it. And that's not to be that it's the only version of it. Correct. There, there's, there's other avenues, but uh, if you want a, uh, a fairly cartoon, you know, we're talking like scene for scene stuff here, accurate depiction, then, you know, super seven's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, that was where, that was one of the places that we came in on it. Obviously GI Joe, if you're talking about just three and three quarter, it's been around for 40 years. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they've made a lot of GI Joes. So what do I want to do? as a collector that gives me something I don't have gives me something that I would like to, to have that's different from what already exists because you don't need me making another, I don't know, another uh, O-ring shipwreck. Like you can Mm -hmm. go get that. And I'm not saying that negatively against shipwreck or O-ring, but like, what is our take on GI Joe? Uh, And so whether it was reaction or ultimates, you know, we really were going down this route of doing something that was cartoon centric, but not limited to the cartoon. So we'll talk about the comic books. We'll talk about a whole bunch of, you know, deeper cut places to go for characters and content. And then, you know, in our relationship with Hasbro, making sure that what we're doing is supporting their greater goals for GI Joe, obviously their goal is a much more modern take. You know, their goal is to sell GI Joe to children, mm-hmm. not just adults. And so, where are they going with the franchise? And then, what can we do that's different from what they are doing? I wanted to ask you a little bit about, like, mm-hmm. obvious, like super obvious right off the bat. You're leading with with the 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 classic cartoon GI Joe. Yes. It, are you guys? able to, I mean, whether or not you can answer this, are you guys able to, to delve into like, you know, you got Sunbow, DIC, you got the GI Joe movie. Um, will we, we're not, as far as I know, we're not limited on any of that. That's just sort of the place I wanted to go right? because that was the thing I wanted first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't, hopefully, you know, we gave them a, a long, long plan of the things that we wanted to do, but if I only get, get to get in here once, what am I going to get? So this is where I'm starting. Nice. What what are some of, I, and and I know this is going to sound like I'm prying for character stuff, Brian, but I'm, I'm, I'm legit asking, what are some of your favorite of the, like the original figures? Like what, what, what are the ones that stick out to you from like your own, like younger days of collecting GI Joe figures? So for me, uh, I was born in 71. So, I really started collecting figures in 78 when Star Wars came out. You know, I, I didn't have them. In, I didn't have an early bird kit. I had to wait till they hit the shelves. Um, so that would be me at seven years old. Those are the first toys I had. So if you start talking about G.I. Joe in 82, 83, 84, you know, I'm starting to get 12, 13. So I'm still getting some toys, but I'm growing out of it a little bit. Uh, I'm a little bit stunted there, so I'm not completely growing out of it. Uh, uh, so <laughs> when those first Joes came out, uh, 
like everybody else, there was no context for it really, but Snake Eyes was the immediate one where it was like, oh, who is this all black guy? Like, he's so cool and tough looking. I really liked him and I really liked, the, it was less about the characters and more about some of the accessories. Like, I love the fact that the little clear vinyl, you know, visor on the helmet would come up and was detachable. That was like a little fussy thing that I was like, oh, this is really elegant. That said, and this doesn't necessarily lead directly to where we ended up with reaction, but the thing that drove me crazy about G.I. Joe's is that they got loose immediately and couldn't stand up. And while that thumb level, breakage, uh, you know, I, I lost the guns too quickly to break the thumbs. So, <laughs> uh, you know, to me, that stuff reminded me of Micronauts, which I had a lot of, and I broke my Micronauts all the time. And I lost the hands because they would pop off and I lost the feet because they would pop off. And so that, that whole O-ring mechanism, which for many people is the crux of why they love G.I. Joe, is mm -hmm. that posability and that, uh, that, that, that articulation. That was the one part of G.I. Joe that I was like, oh man, this drives me crazy because I can't stand it up. He keeps falling over. He's gotten loose. Um, so when you asked me like, what were my favorites growing up? that first batch that came out, it was sort of snake eyes. Cobra commander was really cool. And then there was this whole thing where it was like, Oh, there's two of them. Like, which one do you have? And I'm like, I don't know which one I have. I only have one. I've only ever had one. Like, you know, you know, some guy two streets away has got one with a hood. No, he doesn't. That doesn't exist. You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then, you know, as it got a little later, um, the figures that I sort of liked were, more the off the beaten path ones. Like I really liked the scuba diver guy. I'm blanking on his name right now. Wet, but wetsuit or torpedo? The all gray with the fins. Great that the gray, I think gray with a little bit of black. That would have been torpedo. I think. Yeah, torpedo. Yeah. I apologize. Somebody already is like calling me out on my credit. No. Uh, <laughs> I, I've got a Japanese carded one in the other room. Uh, I love that guy, but I can't remember his name right now. I'm bad with there's, names. There's a lot of years of GI Joes. The, but, you know, I, I like I like that. I liked flamethrower. I liked I liked those almost like here's an action figure of a dude doing something, where his outfit was primarily his function. Mm -hmm. It wasn't sort of like here's a costume that I'm wearing to do this. It's not like here's a whole bunch of pockets because I'm adventure guy. It's like no. I, I'm that was the other one. I loved the mind detector with the the, uh, the tripwire. Tripwire. Yes. <laughs> uh, once again, my cred's going out the window for any GI Joe fan because I'm just like I'm recant in my head. I'm not going to like what was the card art. I'm like, whoa, that accessory was just so cool, and he was so monotone. It was just like it's green on green on green. With a green. It was great too because he had the little lamb yeah, collar go into his backpack and stuff like that. that was that's cool that stuff. I, th those were the guys that I really liked. Were more it was less about you know the army guys per se as the functional guy. Here's guys with job. Like I can look at you and I know what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Like shipwreck. I don't really know what he's supposed to do. <laughs> uh, he's got the, the the Marines logo. But he's got the camo vest on. I'm not sure what he's is. 
you know, I don't think he's going parachuting. I don't <laughs> think he's, uh, you know, he might be driving a Baja Jeep over some sand dunes, but I'm not quite sure. So when I could, because while I was aware of the cartoon, I didn't get to watch it that often. Mm-hmm. And so my relationship with the toys, and this is why I think this whole generation, I'm going to get off tangents already, but my relationship <laughs> to the toys was, to them themselves and them telling me who they were and what their stories were or me making it up. I wasn't going, Oh, this is a replication sort of like star Wars. Like for me, for star Wars, I saw it one time when I was a kid, that was it. So everything else that my touch points for star Wars were pieces of plastic. That's why they're so important to me because I spent years replicating in my mind, those adventures through the plastic, not being able to consume the movie. Tron, the same way. I saw Tron one time. And those clear Tomy figures are far more iconic of the movie to me than the actual suits with the glowing right. uh, circuits on them. So my affection has always been for the plastic first story and everything else later. Right. Like, it's so it's so much easier to consume like the media now than it was growing up. Like it's like yes. I grew up with my dad was one of those guys that had the VCR hooked up to the TV and would record stuff on the TV. And he became a master of making sure he even edited out the commercials. Like that's how I had the Star Wars movies was VHS recorded off the TV. Don't tell the FBI though. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and, and that was a thing. So we did not have that until much, much later. And that's when I finally got to see Star Wars again. I probably didn't get to see Star Wars again until I was 15. Plus at that time, if you're talking about when, when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, I was living on an Air Force base in Bitburg, Germany. So, you know, uh, they there wasn't a lot of access to anything. You had one TV channel and that's the Armed Forces Network. So the Armed Forces Network had four cartoons on Saturday morning and that was it. So I got to watch Scooby-Doo, I got to watch Battle of the Planets, and then the other two were always a mix mash between Charlie Chan and the Chan clan or just whatever was available. When we moved back from Germany to the States, we went and stayed with my grandma in Houston. And it was so funny because I got there and the first thing she was, was like, you know, a Tuesday or something, you know, she goes, oh, well, you want to watch cartoons? And I was like, what are you talking about, lady? It's Tuesday. There's no <laughs> cartoons on Tuesday. You know, and then she this? turns it on and there's cartoons on Tuesday. And you're all five o'clock. And not only that, they're in color. Oh my God. We only had a black and white TV. So literally me and my brother watched TV for like five days straight. And we're just like, there's this parrot that's that has these circular breakfast cereals. Like <laughs> All the, not only are there cartoons on Tuesday afternoon, but the commercials are cartoons and they're in colors. And there's a bear that has honey crisp and there's an elf that's shaped. You know, it was just like mind blowing to me to see all this stuff. Like I've never thought about it like that before. Like for, from like, you know, an outside perspective like that to go, there's cartoons that are amazing. And in the between, You've got cartoons in your cereal. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. And then growing up, one of the other shows that they would have 
like after school, what they had for after school was Roy Rogers and then different strokes. I was way into different strokes and Roy Rogers. We thought Roy Rogers was awesome because we didn't hadn't seen anything else. And they're playing Roy Rogers from the fifties and sixties. Mm-hmm. So it's just Roy and Dale singing and roping and doing whatever. And I remember once, like, I don't know what we were watching because it was at my grandma's house and it was like Sesame Street or something. And Roy Rogers comes on and he's old. I'm like, that's not Roy Rogers. That guy's old. (laughs) My mom's like, no, that's Roy Rogers. You've just been watching old TV shows. Like I couldn't even comprehend it. But funny story about Roy Rogers. They used to, um, their museum thing used to be here in Victorville, California. They used to have yeah. a, a whole thing um, dedicated to them out here. He owned like half the town at one point or something crazy yes. like that. Yes. You know. Um, I wanted to read this very generous super chat here from Thirsty for Chicken. Um, he says, hello, Brian, you don't know me and I don't really know you, but I wanted to personally thank you for this line. You have made my childhood dreams reality and given me the holy grail of Jove lines. Oh, well, that's, that's very sweet. Uh, thank you very much for the kind words. And I, you know, that, that's the goal is I think these are the toys I want. I think there are other people out there that want the same thing. Not everybody, but there are some people. And for that person that had the same touch points as I do going into these toys, hopefully they resonate the same way with them. That's speaking of resonate though, I do. I just have to interject one for one second because you said something that now is stuck in my head where I'm like, I'm already hoping for battle of the planets, ultimates figures from Super <laughs> seven. At some point. So now we can go on. There is, there is another super chat. Yes, I'll let you read that one, Adam. I'll yeah, I'll read this one. This is from uh, Renee Aldretti, who is actually one of our sculptors at general giant studios. And he says, What's Reen got to do to sculpt some Joes? What's Reen got to do to sculpt yeah, some Joes? You don't, ha- you don't have to answer that, Brian. We can move right along. I just wanted to make sure he we we read his shout out, Reen. Yeah, uh, Reen. For, first off, Reen, uh, I, let's not get fired. That would be yes. the first. That would be the first part. I believe that you probably have a deadline somewhere that somebody thinks you're behind on, simply because. All of us do, but uh, hey, you never know what dreams are made of, Reen. That's all I got to say. It's true. It's true. (laughs) What six shooters says Super 7 Toucan Sam confirmed. (laughs) (laughs) Are there there any um, Joe characters that are just too too out there for you that you think are just like, 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 I know that that might be a little bit of a loaded question as well, but like, yeah. you know, like I, when I think of stuff, it's like, there's the, and, and I love GI Joe and I love all eras of GI Joe. And I, 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 I'm one of those guys that never, never stopped buying toys. You know, like I hit, I hid them from, from girls, <laughs> but like, I, I just kept buying GI Joe's even when they got weird, like, you know, the, the, the anti-drug ones, ones and the eco warriors. The eco warriors are not bad, and in, I, I'm, the same thing. All my cred, right? What, what was the one where they had the zombies? Yeah, they had. That was only, like, they, that was only they, like five or six years ago. Yeah, you know, like oh yeah, there's those good were stuff awesome. all over the place. You know, but at the same time, like with those zombie figures, it's like they're rad, but they just made them. 
and they did a great job. Right. Nobody needs me to go make that. But like even even like in like the the mid to later eighties, there were characters like Raptor, you know, which was the Cobra guy that was bare chested with a bird helmet and and fabric wings. It's, it, I, I'm smelling silver hawks here. Are you smelling silver hawks? <laughs> well, there, we, there we go. Yeah, silver yeah. hawks fills that fills that quotient. Yes, yes. You know, I, I, you know, I'd rather not focus on what I don't like and then focus on what I do like. That's a very, very good. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I maintain that motto around here as well. So, well, it, it sounds a little, little cornball, but you know. There, there's so many places to go that it's not even worth me going into like, eh, I'm not so into that dude. Just like, no, that I'll, I'll, I'll take all of these, you know. I like Clockwork uh, Orgy. I was just, say, just mentioned yeah. the Street Fighter G.I. Joes, which I know Chaney is a big Street Fighter fan. So yeah, yeah. I know that that's got to be some weird licensing hey, nightmare. We problem. made Street Fighter in reaction a long, long time ago. I know. You can just put that, you can put Zangief right next to, you know, the Cobra Soldier and, you know, work it there on that. There you out. go. There you go. Yeah. And, and you guys also made some cool t shirts. That's one of the things that uh, I did want to bring up too was. I really like your guys's like shirts and sweaters and stuff. Like I know for me and my wife, when Comic-Con was a thing, the first, the first place we go is always a super seven pop-up on preview night. That's the first stop we hit. That's awesome. And you know, it's a very interesting sort of thing. T-shirts have been an interesting thing because we always talk about that. We need to make more because the version of I have with this, if, if we go, we push a lot of this to the side in my design career before super seven actually became a job, which was most of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I did was apparel design. Uh, I worked at Nike in the apparel design department. After I left, I used to go to New York and design streetwear collections in New York all the time. Then I started doing my own line out here. And then as Super 7 started to pick up, we just folded it into Super 7. But there was this always this interesting dynamic where at the store, physically, half our sales come from t-shirts, not toys. Because everybody that walks in the door knows t-shirts and understands mm-hmm. t-shirts and how it applies to them. We're only a certain amount of people that come through the door like, oh, toys, got it. Like, this is what I'm here for. And you know, we always talked about this really interesting dichotomy at San Diego Comic-Con, which is preview night and Thursday usually is 90% toy sales. Mm-hmm. But once we get past Thursday, Friday through Sunday is 90% t-shirt sales. Mm-hmm. And it is people just like I see with toys. There are people that I see at San Diego every single year that come to the booth and have no idea or care that we make toys and they're there and they buy five, six, seven t-shirts at a time. They're like, this is my favorite booth every year. I get all my t-shirts for the year. I buy them all here. I'll see you next year. And they literally knew us as super seven, the t-shirt company Mm -hmm. rather than super seven, the toy company. Uh, Obviously as toys have really ramped up, we have a hard time focusing on getting enough of that stuff done as well. But in my mind, we're just making cool stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of it happens to be toys, but it could be a t-shirt. It could be a pair of shoes. It could be, you know, a pennant or any number I mean, drinking glasses or whatever. Like 
just what would be cool and fun to make. And that's, that's the most interesting part of it. Yes, toys are significant part of it, but for me, it's not limited to that. It's just like, what would be cool and fun to make? And let's go make that stuff. Okay. I've got to put my order in for that GI Joe thermal. It's just been too hot here in LA for me to think <laughs> about ordering it yet. But and in San Francisco, it's winter right now. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's so strange how it's so different when it's not exactly that far away. Like, you know, you cross a bridge and it's 15 to 20 degrees warmer, mm -hmm. than, but San Francisco in the summer, people come here thinking they're coming to California it's like, no, you're not coming to California. You're coming to Super 7. It is colder in the summer than it is in the spring and fall. And Wait. it's almost as cold as the winter. You were you were just on, on Kev's show last week, uh, toying around, the Butter Baron himself. Yes. And um, he he's, he's friends with the show. We're actually doing a crossover show with him next week. And uh, he, he, he likes to ship things to Cheney in Victorville and include stuff for me in there. As if Victorville and LA are right next to one another. Oh, you yeah. know, it's just down the street, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's all California. <laughs> exactly. You're close by. Yeah, yeah. Close enough. Close enough. So, yeah, well, thank you for the compliment on the T-shirt and coming to the pop-ups. The pop-ups are a lot of fun. That You know, for me, it's like, let's really get into a license. Let's really go deep down some weird hole that we like with this license. Like with Snoopy, when we did the Peanuts one, I was like, the thing about peanuts and the early part of peanuts, especially, is it's really unvarnished. It's kind of brutal and sad at times. Mm -hmm. So let's lean into the fact that sometimes it's not all happy. It's sad, but it's a it's an okay sad. It's a good sad. But let's lean into the the more unpleasant moments of peanuts, not the unpleasant in a bad way, but just like it's not all saccharine, mm -hmm. like. Being a kid sucks sometimes. Yes. And Peanuts was brutally honest about that. So that was our whole pop-up was called Good Grief because that's yes. what it was. It was all about the failures that exist within Peanuts, and you which nobody had done before. And they were like, you're really sure you're going to make a whole thing on this. And I was like, like the angry Lucy t-shirt. I don't know if you remember that one. I have that one. Like, you <laughs> I know. have it. Yeah. I yeah. Own it. And, and it's like, yeah, but that's, that's real. That's authentic. Yes. You know, it's not everybody dancing, you know, at the Christmas play. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, um, it's funny cause my, my wife loves the peanuts and Snoopy. So that last one that was there, she was all about it. Like we were all stoked. Cause you know, you guys painted the building even with the Charlie Brown shirt design around the whole building. That was, that was really funny because we had done, uh, something else prior and we just went ahead and painted the building yellow like days in advance we're like no one's going to notice that the building is yellow right because it's a solid color so all we had to do was come in that night and just paint the stripe real quick and that was it the moment you painted the stripe everybody's like it's crazy they painted the whole <laughs> building it was like you didn't notice that actually we painted the whole building a week ago we just had to put the black stripe on it uh we got a very generous super chat from the toy box of doom uh, he says, thanks for reissuing the turtles, Brian. It's great when companies make their toys accessible. Flip side, just spent two point or two and a half hours refreshing on the premium Bandai site for the Dragon Ball figures. Uh, well, you know, that that's one of the things that, you know, I, I try to talk about. It's like, 
it's not in my best interest or in my plan to make it hard for you to buy what I make. Like that's sort of counterintuitive. I want to keep making stuff. So I'd like to sell it to you. Uh, so the idea that it needs to sell out instantly or it can never, you know, or it's immediately going for four times retail on the secondary market, that, that that's kind of counterproductive in my mind to what we're trying to do. I'm trying to make toys to share with all the other people that like having these toys. So I'm going to make it available. And in the case like Turtles, you know, we're launching into wave five of Turtles. The secondary market is moving. And there's a lot of people that just weren't aware of us mm -hmm. 16, 18, 24 months ago and didn't have a chance to get the Turtles or didn't didn't know what we made, weren't familiar enough with us, and were nervous about pre-ordering something on whether or not they would like it. And so same thing. It's like, well, no one's going to buy and collect our turtles line if they can't get the four basic turtles. So let's give everybody a chance to get in. It's not, there's not nothing sacred about the fact that it came out once and it's sold out. Right. Like, let's make it available again. And if enough people want it, we'll make some, we'll make some more. Like that's the goal, I think, but it mm -hmm. seems like uh, people expect that it's going to be this horrible, nasty experience, but that's not what I'm trying to do. The flip side of that is by making things available again and giving everybody a chance to buy it. It also means you have to wait for it to deliver. Mm -hmm. Like I have to go make it. And that's, that's the hardest part for people to really get over is like, now you got to wait eight months, nine months, a year sometimes to get your thing. Or in the case of Thundercats 2, you might have to wait 18 months, unfortunately, because Jurassic Park. So where 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 are we at on that, that currently on that second wave of Thundercats? Second wave keeps getting... So we've got multiple factories that we work with, which right, right. makes sense to anybody that could think about it. And the factory that we went to make Thundercats at for consistency's sake, we went back to the original factory that made the original Thundercats mm -hmm. wave one uh, from Mattel way back when. So that if you had the first wave, second wave would, it, it's an easier road to get to match because it's the exact same place rather than right. working with a new factory and making sure they make it the same exact way. Not that it's harder to do that. It's just, path of least resistance or uh yeah it's, in, it's easier to look to go hey the same materials are here in this place um you guys are familiar with doing this already yeah we'll go ahead and put it to you and then you know it, they'll look they'll feel the same you know i i got gotcha. you yeah. yeah so you know it's a diversification thing i don't want to put everything at one factory because then if something goes wrong everything you know mm -hmm. house of cards right so so Thundercats is at a much, much, much larger factory because those first ones were made by Mattel. And we are a much smaller company. And long story short, um, they're primarily focused on making Jurassic Park figures. That's mm -hmm. what they do. And, you know, we just kind of keep getting bumped. There's no other way. So we actually pulled wave three out of that factory, restarted it in the primary factory that we use that we deliver turtles from. And wave three is actually shipping 
uh, this week, half of it's shipping this week and half of it's shipping uh, 10 days later. So like, it's actually been faster for me to move it, start from scratch all over again at a different factory and get it out. So wave three is gonna come out and wave four will most likely ship almost the exact same time as wave two currently is scheduled for, which is even crazier. But it's like, at this point, you're so far down the road on it that yeah you're, you're kind of at there if, if i pull it it's going to start the whole process over mm -hmm. again you're kind of at that factory sort of at the mercy and yeah. i don't want to be playing something like i'm really being awful or blah 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 i mean it's really the outlier it's an unusual use case that happens mm -hmm. unfortunately it's also on one of the more uh glamorous and uh exciting figures, which is the giant Mumra, the ever living. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is I can't deliver it. Not right. Right. You know, it has to be right. And there's and just you guys, I, you, I, I bought wave one of the Thundercats. I previously only bought Wiley kit and Wiley cat from Mattel. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy that you guys did the wave one reissues and, and improved upon them in certain ways. And then with the mistake, shipping out the little, like the, the correction pack. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Like that's, I, I couldn't have been happier. I didn't mind having to change underpants. <laughs> you know, and that's one of those things where every sample I got was correct. Every sample I got was correct. And when it showed up, you know, we didn't even notice it because everyone we'd seen had been correct to that point. And then it, and then it got out there and people are like, Hey, that's the wrong color. And we're like, Oh my God, it's the wrong color. So we need to do a make do on it. This is not what we promised people. Um, but that, I would say that, that, in that, itself, feedback it, that we, the feedback that we got was for most people are like, I'm cool with it. I don't really care, but there were definitely people that did. And there were definitely people that, broke their figures trying to change out the underpants and then we sent them new figures you know yeah the uh, fact that you guys even you know went that far when you know a lot of companies out there would just kind of uh it's you know fix it yourself or whatever you know uh it, it speaks a lot you know uh, to me it's it, it speaks yeah, it, a lot that hey we're we're gonna make it right that's awesome to me it, it, it's, a, it's a, it's a catch 22, depending on your perspective. There's the flip Truth. side where the person goes, you didn't even notice and you screwed it up and then you sent it later and expected me to fix it. Yeah. So it, it can be a glass half empty glass half full, yeah. but you know, we're trying, you know, we're not trying to make it wrong. It's not right. in my best interest. Right. To do right. So I think it's hard to argue against the, the, the transparency too. Like that's the one thing that I, it's how anyone cannot respect you guys for, for that, for you coming out here, talking about all of this stuff. And, and, you know, like there, there's a lot of, you know, vocal people on the internet, like there always has been, but you, you don't steer away from coming out here and, and explaining yourself, which you don't have to do, right? but you do. And I, I mean, I applaud you for it. I think it's, it's great to hear it even like I'm an articulation junkie personally. So I do uh, disagree with your opinion on double jointed knees, yep. but that's not, I'm, 
I'm buying a ton of Super 7 stuff. <laughs> I have a ton of Super 7 stuff pre-ordered. So it's not keeping me from buying it. And you express your opinion and I understand it. Like I get it. I think that in certain ways I do agree. Like the Disney Ultimates line, I'm buying a ton of those. I don't think like, it's like I would never argue to put double joints and stuff like that. So I agree with you here and there and but i i, I just love that, that you come out and and discuss it well and, and quite honestly I, I always look at it a lot of times with the people that are yelling i would say that 75 percent of the time those people are yelling because they really care and they've been had this idea of what something would look like in their mind for years and years and years and here you are you finally come out and made it and it's 85% of the way there, which is almost worse than if it just didn't exist at all. Mm-hmm. And they That's get really fired up. And they I'd get really fired up because they care. Yeah. So I, I don't fault people for getting fired up because they care. Now, if they just keep going on and they can't let it go, then maybe they are just a jerk, you know? But for the most part, I found that when I talk to people and say, this is how we got here, and I'm sorry if it's not the one you wanted, but you know, I've only got the opportunity to make one, so I'm making the one I want. Um, most of the time, people come to a very similar thing, which is, I don't love the answer, but I understand the answer. Right. And it I, makes like sense. I said, I think a lot of it is, you know, people can be very, it's easy to be very reactionary on the internet. It's easy to be uh, very curt on the internet. Um, and it's easy to just kind of, you know, talk smack. Uh, but at the yeah, same time- that there are human beings on the receiving end of this. Yeah, I just, I, I, I try not to take it personally. Uh, and for the most part, I, I go, okay, is there a kernel of truth? So when somebody goes, hey, yo, I just got uh, just got your figures and the pant colors are wrong. I don't go, well, you don't know what you're talking about. I go, are the pant colors wrong? Yeah. Did we did we not do that right? Like, uh oh, I need need to check into it. And so then you you take that commentary and then you have to run it through your filter to determine whether you think that that commentary is valid or invalid. And if even if it is valid, if it, if you agree with it mm-hmm. and, and, you know, right there, there's four options for the answer. So it's, there's no clear delineation of the answer. And then we've got to make sure what we want. But I, I generally look at a lot of that stuff. And when people get really frustrated or angry, I'm like, okay, is there, is there something I'm missing? Is there something I've done or is, have I made a conscious choice that just goes against what they would prefer? Right. There's a big difference between it being wrong and being not the version you want. Very true. And the other thing that you did bring up earlier was, you know, the the fact that they care. Because if they didn't care, uh, yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah, they would you wouldn't, there would be no comments, there would be no nothing, you know, if they didn't yeah. care. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to, oh no, I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I, I, we've kind of moved away from GI Joe and I uh-huh. do have one question. It's not directly related to super seven stuff, but okay. it is, it is, it's more of a timely question and it's the snake eyes movie is coming out. Yep. Are you interested in go seeing it? What, like, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'll see it for sure. 
you know, I, I try not to go to any of these things, especially if it's got legacy characters involved with my baggage of what I think it needs to be mm -hmm. like, because it's not, I'm not, you know, 12 and seeing it, or I'm not 18 and seeing it. Like, you know, when you saw Pulp Fiction, when you were whatever, for me, it came out when I was like 19 or 20. Right. And it was just wild and mind blowing. Right. Just the most insane thing. Like I've watched a whole lot of other movies and I think now all of a sudden I wouldn't react the same way. So I try not to go into any of these things with a lot of preconceived notions and just let them be what they are. Like, you know, I had no idea if Captain and Winter Soldier was going to be good or not. Let's just go see. Like, those yeah, aren't yeah. two characters that pulled from the movie where I was like, ooh, I'm really invested in those two guys. But it was like, it was really good and it had really great moments within it. I really like Carly Morgenthal's character. I really thought it was interesting. Then Loki comes on and I'm like, I just want to move in. I want to move in. <laughs> but I don't, I wasn't looking at Loki, you know, in my mind ahead of time, I'm like, oh, it's going to be this really funny slapsticky kind of trickster Loki thing. And then it turns the whole thing on its head. And I'm like, this is like one of the best thing Marvel's done. That's not what I would have gone out expecting. So I try not to put the baggage on it, especially when it's a legacy franchise. Mm -hmm. I just try to let it be like, Snake Eyes isn't trying to make me, the 40-year-old, excited about G.I. Joe. I right. think Snake Eyes is trying to make a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old go through uh, a world building, I assume, I don't know, I haven't seen it, a world building that is, you know, got ninjas and excitement and car chases, but is still safe it's almost like a batman and robin thing you know where it's like this is cool and fun and and i can get invested but not terrified i you could be a very refreshing like, out tomorrow and it I could be a slasher down. movie i have no idea <laughs> yeah yeah no, i think i'm gonna go see it as a matinee this weekend not a not a night I'm, I'm gonna try to knock a few dollars off admission <laughs> but that's <laughs> You know, it, it's the same thing. Like I, I use the example uh, several times, like when I saw The Force Awakens, not The Force Awakens, what am I saying? Um, the first Lucas reboot, Jar Jar movie. Okay. Uh, the Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. I, I, I've tried to wipe those away from my brain mostly, but <laughs> I couldn't get ticked. You know, everybody was lining up and camping up, out in advance. And I'm like, I'm not camping out. And I finally got tickets and it was a Sunday matinee. And so I went to this two o'clock matinee of the Phantom Menace and it was filled with kids. And we're watching the movie, watching the movie. The moment Jar Jar walked onto the screen, the entire movie theater howled with laughter. And so for me, while I find it annoying, I know that it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It wasn't for me. It was for that five and six and eight-year-old next to me who was like, he talks funny. I can replicate it in his tongue and he steals a thing, but get caught and he's clumsy and he's falling down. Like he's comic relief. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. It's very clear that this movie was not directed to me. This think, movie was directed to kids to get them excited about Star Wars. You can live your life through Anakin. Look at all of this. Like, so- 
as much as I try to wipe them from my brain because I don't enjoy watching them, that doesn't mean that they're bad movies or they didn't do what they were supposed to do. True. Uh, I think that, um, you know, uh, since I had my, my daughter, that it really has changed my outlook on things like that a lot to something very similar to yours to where it's like, I, I go in and there's all this, you know, expectation and extra baggage and whatnot. And then if I look at it through the eyes of my child, then I can see that, okay, you know, that, because that's, you know, when you look, when a child sees something, they see it as the very, just like bare bones version of like face value of what it is. Yeah. And, and you can kind of get a better idea you know, uh, of what that is, you know, when you, when you're sitting there, like you're saying, you're sitting there with all those kids in the theater and they're all about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and same thing for my kids, like my kids don't care about the DC movies and they don't care about the star Wars movies, but they know every fact possible because they've watched the Lego versions of DC and star Wars <laughs> so many awesome. times that they know everything. They can tell you every storyline and plot of everything. They know the whole world, but they want, they like the Lego version cause it's funny. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, um, we had a super chat from the wrestling hound. He said, will we get a rerun of the NJPW series one with updated skin tone colors? Also would love a Jay white in the third wave. LOL. LOL. Uh, updated the skin tones are i don't know if he owns them or not my assumption by asking if they are um going to be remade means that he doesn't have them uh the skin tones actually are pretty different they don't photograph that great uh you know because you put a nice strong light on them and all their their skin tones sort of blanch out to be very similar mm -hmm. but they do have different skin tones and they are very accurate uh they turned out really, really well. Uh, the first images that hit the net were not the greatest, but uh, they uh, right now we're not going into them. But then you know we're we're trying to coordinate NJPW Wave Three. NJPW Wave Two is on the water. I can't make Wave Three available until Wave Two gets into people's hands. So, uh, okay. so I don't have probably the best answer for you there. <laughs> in between kind of sort of answer and that you might be very happy with the character selection in wave three maybe okay. i i Janie, if you have other stuff to talk about but i'd really like to to start to to get into silver hawks and and i okay i'm excited about the um the partnership that's happening with the nacelle company and new cartoon new media um obviously the the toy line so I don't know like what you can talk about as far as, as new Silverhawks or upcoming Silverhawks, but it's a cool uh, line and, and I'm excited for it. So. Uh, yeah, I, I ordered wave one right out the gate. Like <laughs> I had to have those, man. Hey, you know, and I, I, if I walked over to that table, I could pick them up and <laughs> uh, no, the Silverhawks is obviously very interesting. Uh, it's a legacy franchise that has been hiding out in the weeds, out in the woods where nobody could find it for a long time. We managed to, to grab it uh, and we're making the toys for it. Uh, 
technically speaking, all of that, it is not, everybody wants to say, oh, it's owned by Super 7. It's not owned by Super 7. There's a, a separate company that owns Silverhawks LLC owns Silverhawks. Obviously, I have an interest in that. But uh, so, yes, we have partnered with Nacelle. Uh, that is Brian Volkweiss, who obviously most people know. Most people know him from the toys that made us uh, and things like that. The reality is, if you really look at the Nacelle group, they've been around for a very, very long time. And pretty much any stand-up special you've ever seen, they've done. Uh, and they're doing a ton of other stuff. They just did the behind the attractions that's coming out like any day on Disney Plus. Um, and so obviously him being a toy guy, he was like, I would really love to work on this. And I have connections now over the years, surprisingly to some people, maybe not to others, Super 7's had four different either cartoons or movie things signed whatever, even to the point where it's like, yes, you know, this network's bought it. Nothing ever goes anywhere. Nothing ever gets made. It just, that's par for the course in Hollywood. So mm -hmm. in as much with Silverhawks, when Brian expressed interest, I was like, yeah, go for it. If you've got the access to actually push this over the finish line or get it further than we've been, yeah, then I'd love for you to do it because um, obviously He's somebody we're friends with. I don't need to go to Hollywood and try to find the best deal. Brian's genuine and he knows what he's talking about. So let's do that. He's in his stage of knowing what he knows about how to get things done. He's got a couple of people committed to voices for the show. Um, it hasn't gotten any further than that that I know of. Uh, but hopefully, yes, it will come to light. Um, but I have, I always have to, you know, when people are like, oh, you're making a TV show. I'm like, we are a long way from making it. You, you can, you can have a deal, a time slot and everything and still not have a TV show, which is very common. True. So hopefully it will get there. And I, I want to believe that Brian will, um, he has a very good track record of getting things on air. So hopefully it will get there, but I don't have a specific, um, you know, thing of like, yes, this is real and this is moving, but we're at least giving it the old uh, college try, if you will, and hoping that something does come through with it. It's awesome. It's very exciting. I, um, I'm just going to throw out there, uh, uh, bluegrass. Just, <laughs> yes. Just, I don't, I don't know. It's like a weird quirk I have that I just throw. Bluegrass. Throw, here, here's a name. Just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. i mean like on, okay was, now i'm gonna talk like it's like that would you, was would you like his chin would you like his hat would you like his guitar what are you all, after? all of the above all of the a above mohawk I, and a cowboy hat at and, the same time like it's like come on and he's the guitar that's also he was yeah. he was easily the coolest character i loved him i loved yes ass. yes it was a great great toy as well so i i do have a a a, a I guess a weirdish question, but between Thundercats and then Silverhawks, Tiger yeah, yeah. Sharks. Where, where, the 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 same question everybody goes. <laughs> so I see what's behind door number one. Exactly. <laughs> now I've seen behind door number two. This is Showcase Showdown, right? Yeah. Now door number three. Tiger Sharks is that thing where it's like I remember. So I I'm a little bit younger than you. I was born in '78, but I I I. I 
totally remember going to Toys R Us with my mom and seeing the Tiger Sharks toys on the shelves at Toys R Us. And my mom's like, okay, you can pick something out. And I'm like looking at those Tiger Sharks toys. And I'm like, those are really cool. I have no idea what they are. And I ended up, I ended up not choosing Tiger Sharks. And I probably just bought another G.I. Joe or something at the time. And then I got home and that like next Saturday, cartoon, Tiger Sharks there. And I was just little uh... or young, young version of me, like wanting to rip his hair out and being like, yo, Tiger Sharks is awesome. So I, <laughs> I have a fond place in my heart for Tiger Sharks. Well, I mean, t- Tiger Sharks is interesting. So you, you go through sort of like, it's almost like the reverse stages of grief with those shows. So you have like Thundercats where everybody's like, I remember the cartoon and I had the toys. Then you get to Silverhawks and it's like, I had the toys and I kind of remember the cartoon, maybe not. And then with Tiger Sharks, you're like, they had a cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> I just remember the toys. I, yeah. that, that's it. I just had the toys. And, and, and they, that, kind of, and they so, did that, that Power Rangers head flip kind of thing before power rangers yep true and so it's just that that thing where it's like you know that that's the that's the that's the third door here um and it's a little bit more niche for sure like it's that that doesn't mean that doesn't we we like those weird doors so Mm -hmm. yeah will we get there i I i'm fairly confident that we will get there in due time nice um (laughs) (laughs) i had a question um about maybe uh, where you guys are. I know you be, you guys have been working with the, uh, you know, trying to figure out what you were going to do with the paint for the Silverhawks. Um, did you, mm-hmm. have you found, have you come to a conclusion to that yet? Or are you still working towards it? We're still working through that. Uh, as silly as it sounds, when you're trying to make something that's more custom like that, that's not just a color, you know, you, you almost have to, it's like, it runs to the factory, then it goes to the paint, factory, if you will, but that actually goes then back to the paint manufacturer. And so you kind of have to go back two steps um, to like the guy that's actually making whatever solvent or, you know, I can't even speak to it properly, but just like the core, like materials, much less the mixings of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're really working on trying a couple different things. There's sort of this matte pearlescent I'm trying to do where it's a matte pearlescent sort of metallic because in the show, obviously they're supposed to be silver, but they're never really chrome. When we mm-hmm. think of chrome, it's because of the toy. Correct. It's a visceral reaction because the toys were stunning, uh, but they're not really representational of the show. You know, correct. Like, you know, like here's green versus gold. Like, right. These things are not equal. Uh, so how do we make it have that, metallic feel but also make it feel sort of matted back like it was animation and so trying to do that i'm trying to also look at whether or not we can do a color shift paint like you would see on a car Mm -hmm. so is it silver is it blue how do you move how do you spec those colors within the movement you know can can we get there there's something really interesting about that um but those all become special things where it's like you literally have to work your way backwards to sampling and then coming back up. And how many gallons do I have to buy for this custom mix and how much right. more does it cost? You know, there's a lot of things. So it's going to take a little while. Like right now, I mean, we're, they're literally looking at paint samples on whatever handy reaction figures at the factory. It's like, okay, what about this guy? And it's just 
painted up in a color. Um, but you know, those, if you look at them in flat art form, it's like this guy is sort of blue, light grayish blue. And these guys are sort of 40% gray blue. Mm -hmm. Like they're actually pretty dark. I know they're supposed to be a darker silver, but you know, so how do we, how do we bridge that gap between the physicality of like, no, we painted it this actual dark blue gray and then just drew some highlights on it here and there versus, okay, this is what it should feel like in your hand as you turn it. Mm -hmm. And those are two very, very different things. I know, I know you're dealing with a lot of, of uh, armchair quarterbacks um, on the internet, of course. And it's like, I, I like that's, of course that's going to happen. And, and, you know, even myself, like when I, when I look at them, I'm like, oh, I know what he's going for. Like I get it. Um, and, and the different levels of sheen and, and metallics. And it's like, I, you know, personally, if some of that doesn't work out, Brian, I, I'm, I'm just throwing out there my own opinion and you take it, leave it. But I think some painted on, like not even going full cell shaded, but some painted on highlights might start to help achieve the effect. If you can't get some of the pearlescent or metallic or gloss that you're going for. I, I, I feel confident that we'll get a version of one of those paints. The thing that drives me crazy about the painted on cell shading, painted on comic book lines is the moment you turn that toy 10, 10 degrees, it's like, it's wrong. Like I've got the <laughs> light coming in my room. It's like, nothing's like the shadows are on the wrong side. And yeah, it drives so, me crazy. Like, um, so is that the inner no, no, graphic? I'll, I'll does that up to say like we're gonna do every, like once again? It is not in my best interest to not make it so that when you get it, you go, "Wow, that looks awesome," you know. Right. So <laughs> it's gonna take a little bit of time, but I feel like we can get there. We've managed to get there with a lot of other processes without too much issue. So I think it's just putting in the extra effort. Uh, again, you're being transparent about it. And you know, like yeah, that's like, you so know, much we, more we, than a so know many we can do this, but that's right. not what we're trying to do. Right. I'm trying to make this animation. I'm trying to make it so when you stand this next to your Thundercats figures and your Masters of the Universe figures and your G.I. Joe figures, they all look like they came out of the animation. Right. You know, and that's yeah. that's a very important point that you bring up where it's like I, you know, Uniformity. I personally, as someone that argues for I just mentioned painting on highlights. And then I also tell you that like, I'm an articulation junkie, but at the end of the day, I own many super seven lines. And when you put them together, there is a cohesiveness about the stuff you do. So, and some of the things that I, that I desire as someone who even buys this stuff, I understand that that could take, take that away from, from your lines. It could take away from the cohesion. So I, I get what you're saying. You know, we're all allowed to have our own opinions about this. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I I we knew that going out animation for Silverhawks was going to make everyone go, "Where the hell's the back metal?" <laughs> but that's also not understanding a bit of what it takes to make back metal work. Yeah, no uh, back metal. That's well, which, well, garbage. Which. which which uh, it's not that it can't work. It's just that you have to redesign the entirety of how you would make this figure atypical from anything else they have. Everything has got to go to ABS. Everything's got to go to two parts. You're going to have to make different joints and different materials so that you can deal with friction fitting. Like 
you and know. even then, that's like anyone that that has played or grown up with toys knows that the durability of vac metal, if you mess with it at all, it's just not there. Well, I mean, like, my, yes, all, it's it's beautiful all if you're of, just standing. All of my old Silverhawks, they all flaked off. They all flaked off because I played with them all the time. The thing that well, it, that really caught my eye about your guys' Silverhawks is that you were going for the cartoon look. I was yeah, like, and that's the thing you don't have in your collection. Exactly. Now, maybe after we get, not maybe, after we get done with this, if there is still an appetite for that silver version that feels like the thing you already have, then maybe we'll go, we'll go back and make that available. Mm -hmm. But for what we're doing right now, I'm trying to make the cartoon because you don't have this. If you yes. want the back metal, the back metal exists. Right. Back metal was done and done brilliantly. So I, I don't need to give you that that you don't have. I'm going to give you the version. Sorry, the version you do have. I'm going to give you the version you don't have. Right. That was that. That was the thing that that really just pulled me in on it. I was like, this is cool because we never had those versions before, and that's what made me go, okay. Uh, I, Sign me yeah, up. And, and to be fair, there's another guy that like I had that back metal toy as a kid. I loved it. I don't have it anymore. Mm -hmm. Give me the thing I want. Give me that again. And in in Silverhawks, it's much more visceral than in other places. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what keeps beeping. Do you guys hear that? Yeah, I, I I think I don't know where that is. It's not it's not here. Yeah, it's right out here in my hallway. Oh, okay. I realize we're in the middle of a podcast though. Half of me like. You, you probably just have to replace the batteries in your fire alarm or something, but it's fine. It sounds so like a okay. printer or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we had a very generous super chat again from Thirsty for Chicken. Uh says, not sure if this can be answered since Rankin Bass did Thundercats animation. What is the likelihood of animated Hobbit and Lord of the Rings Ultimates? I mean, in, in animated Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, you've got couple different stakeholders it almost sounds like i might have thought about this once before um, <laughs> you know because you have uh the people that own the rights to the movie then you have the question of do they own the rights to the artwork outside of the movie mm -hmm. um, which a lot of these rights were not an issue back when these movies were made and then you have also then the tolkien estate and everything right. else so you've got to line up multiple properties, but that's not to say that it can't be done. No different than doing the movie masters of the universe figures that we did where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, now you've got to get the movie house. You've got to get the actors. You've got to get the uh, costume designer and you've got to get Mattel all on board. The William Stout stuff. That was, that was a cool get. I mean, I, I, I'm going to admit fully, I did not buy all of them, but I bought the He-Man and the, the standard Skeletor because I'm not made of money or space, but I, I am, I'm very, very happy that those got made at all. And it, the, the hoops that you must have jumped through in order to make it happen. Kudos. Yeah. And, but that, that's the kind of thing that's, that's the kind of thing that I keep coming back to is going through the hard work that it takes to get some of this more ancillary stuff is interesting to me because I don't have it. And that's, that's the most interesting part. Like I don't need, uh, I'm going to make it up. I don't know. Uh, an, another three and three quarter inch 
uh, Luke farm boy, you know, version. Like I've, I've got it. Mm-hmm. Like give me another take, another twist, another version of him that gives me something that I don't have. Now I'm more interested. Put him on a He-Man uh, body. <laughs> that that was the 95 power yes, of the force. Line. I know. <laughs> that, that was a setup. Like he was like, I'm going to put this one up here. Let me see if he goes for it. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would probably buy a super buff farm boy, Luke. Yeah. yeah. Just for the giggle factor. Yes. If someone did that. Yeah. I would be like, Oh yeah. We're going back there. Cause okay. Yeah. Sign me up for that. Um, I wanted to, to bring up, I know you had mentioned in, um, I think other interviews and whatnot, how you go for the feeling of toys, right? I just wanted to say, you know, uh, thank you because when I hold this, you know, foot soldier, it feels like the old figure that I had as a kid. Like, yeah, it, it's it's insane like how much like you know the it fires off on the nostalgia factor like i pick it up and i move it around and it it feels like the the toy i had when i was a kid it's it's crazy well i mean that's part of the reason we spend so much time no different on the sculpts but onto the packaging Mm -hmm. like as a kid we all had the stacks of card backs with the where we ripped we were so excited we ripped it off and made a big gash across the artwork on it. And then thought to ourselves, well, next time I'm going to make sure to cut it off and I'm going to be careful. And by the time you got to the next toy, you just ripped it off again. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, (laughs) and it's like all of those touch points were important. All of those touch points were, uh, I don't know. There's an emotional resonance to all of this stuff. And so, yeah, we could just do this or just do that, but it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to spend the time or the money to get the painting done or this or add foil or whatever we can do. So when you, you hold the entirety of it, it feels special. So when you got that ultimate and you opened it up and you got that slip case, you were like, Oh, this feels like I'm handling something special. Mm-hmm. This feels like everything was considered. It's not just, you know, slapped on a blister on a card back for, for what that is like, it needs to feel like it so that every touch point along the way reinforces why you bought it, every bit of it. Even if you don't ever put, you know, the packaging is probably in a closet someplace. But when you opened it, you were like, even even the way the box is shaped so that the shipper tabs fold in so they don't touch the box, that's part of the angle. And so the flip tabs don't rub against the packaging. Mm-hmm because you have an uneven depth that's inside the cardboard. Like every little thing, whether it's overt or not, we've spent time with it. Right. So that when you get it, you may not notice those things, but I believe that the aggregate of those that thinking pulls together in how you view the figure when you get it and how it presents itself to you. Awesome. It's very, very appreciated. Like I said, I dig it. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know, what was it last week? You said the next wave of turtles is uh, still some of it's sitting in a boat. Some of it's there. Any updates on that? (laughs) I have three out of four figures in a warehouse. I have had the turtle has been there for six weeks. Oh, the other two have been there for two weeks 
The other boat is still sitting in the harbor and has been sitting in the harbor for six or seven weeks at this point. And it's just sitting there. So I can't ship them till I get the fourth. And I don't know when I'm getting the fourth, but it's sitting somewhere in the bay, somewhere within five or six miles. <laughs> there is a there is a shipping container full of turtles. Oh, don't don't tempt the people. Listen, <laughs> like, yeah, like, you, you really you're gonna be attacking tankers and stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like those containers go on the back of semis. You and all your friends together couldn't even budge one. Like, you yeah. know, like you'll get the GI Joe specialist with his blowtorch. Yeah. You, you, no. think, you think shipwrecks? Could, is that what the vest is for? <laughs> now I know it's for moving cargo containers. Hold on. That's like, what it was. Have room to, to move. That's exactly what it was. We got, we got another super chat from thirsty for chicken. And I, I want to read it because it actually is leading into another topic that I want to get into before we start running out of time. Hold, um, hold on. I had one more question. Oh, come here. on, Chaney. You want to ask about music? We'll get to music. No, too, no, actually I didn't. It, 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 <laughs> since we're kind of on turtles right now, right. um, I, I wanted to know uh, it, it's a weird ask and like a weird thing, but like, would you, would you guys ever like think about doing a turtle painted up? Like, uh, like some of those like old school Japanese vinyls that you have, like with those bizarre paint colors. We've done some of that. It's been an interesting. Um, if you want to talk about the toys that we've made over the years, there's been a lot of toys that have been informed by the Japanese vinyl stuff we make where all of a sudden it gets free spray and uh -huh. odd colors. Cause that started with what we made in Japan for years and years and years to the point, which is when you see, you've seen a couple of them out there uh, where people say, Oh, this is a prototype or test shot figure. And it's all multicolors. Mm -hmm. That does not come from action figures that comes from vinyls because right. in vinyls, every cavity is a different mold so oh. when we would make stuff like that we could make every cavity a different color true test shots and multicolored test shots that you get from the factory is like parts will be like colors so they're showing you all the molds so normally if you're dealing with action figures you might get left arm right leg or one color right arm left egg or another color or sometimes it's all arms, legs, and heads are one color, torso is a different color, because they're showing you how the molds function. Mm -hmm. So when you would get a test shot of vinyl, it's all multicolors, right. because every part's a different tool. So you need to understand when planning your painting or planning your injection dye colors, these are where all the molds correspond to. So in vinyl, every color is different. In action figures, you have related colors in related spaces. So when we would do some of this stuff with toys, we would go and make wacky multicolors that were all different colors because we would see that from the vinyl side and be like, oh, this is so cool. Let's do wacky, all different part colors. Because it usually means you have to shoot a whole bunch of, like say the arms and the left arm and right uh, leg were in the same mold. I've got to shoot half of them in one color, change out the plastic and shoot it again in a different color to get that effect. So when you see that, that's actually a Japanese vinyl reference, not a US toy or to action figure production sample. That's the first part. 
the glitter stuff that we do from time to time, if you've seen any of our glitter figures mm -hmm. where they're just packed with glitter, that was a trick we learned in vinyl and how you keep it from sticking to the inside of a tool. Cause the last thing you want to do is have glitter encasing your molds. Mm -hmm. So that was a trick we pulled from Japanese vinyl. And then a lot of the ideas of sometimes it's free spray, but um, of just the multicolor options that don't make a whole lot of sense that comes directly from us in the vinyl world, because that's something that we helped evolve. We weren't the only people doing it, but we were one of the firsts really going in there and getting stuff that was off model. And the, I, in, in that sort of collecting world, because if you look back at vintage Japanese vinyl, especially the monsters, most specifically the monsters, it does happen from time to time at the heroes, but the monsters, vinyl figures were the junk. They were the cheap toy of Japan. So you're, as a kid, you might've had 15, 20 vinyls, and then you had two or three die casts. And the die casts were your like fancy, nice toys. That was your special toy. With the vinyls, because it was junk, there was no overseeing or QC. They, they literally just didn't care. If they ran out of the paint, they just subbed in whatever else they had that day. If the vinyl color they ran out of, uh, well, we'll just use this vinyl color for a little while till it comes back in. And so historically, you can look unintentionally, uh, which is what people like me would always do and go to Japan is here's, you know, Godzilla or Kanagon or Balton Sajin or whatever. And here's all these variations. Here's one with light blue spray. Here's one with blue metallic spray. Here's one with green spray. Here's one with red spray. Here's one in light blue vinyl. Here's one in dark green vinyl. Here's one in black vinyl, like whatever. It's whatever they had that day, mm -hmm. literally at times. And so there's sort of this acceptance of like, you can collect a character and have multiple versions of them in colors that don't have a lot of sense to the actual colors themselves, but as a toy, it's really beautiful. So when we started doing Alien, you know, that was one of the things that we started getting into was like, do you think that this customer would be interested, this action figure guy? I said, I think that there's an action figure guy out there that would be interested in buying this alien figure the way we sell Godzilla, <laughs> which is like, hey, it's an alien, but this time it's in clear orange glitter. And this time it's in translucent purple. And this time it's in green blood splatter. And this time it's in this, because it's just another, it's another way to be excited about this character. Mm -hmm. There's also a person there that I want a black alien with the spots on the dome and I want it to look like the Kenner or I want it to look like the movie suit. And right. all this other stuff you're doing seems weird to me and I don't like it. And I feel like you're trying to fleece <laughs> me for more money. None of which is true. There's a, I'm making that toy for that guy over there that was like, yeah, okay, I just bought purple glitter. When am I getting blue glitter? When am I getting, you know, neon pink? When am I getting this? Because right. I love alien and seeing all these aliens lined up is so interesting to me. So You're when good. you get into things like when we started with the worst, which was once again, us going like, you know, villains are always the coolest characters in any design wise in most every franchise. We are like, why don't we just make a line of villains? 
We don't even let's just cut the heroes out altogether. Let's just make a line <laughs> of villains. And in as much, we knew that we couldn't reach the manufacturing threshold that we needed to reach because nobody knows who Super Seven is, much less the worst. Mm-hmm. So instead, we went in and said, "Okay, we're going to make six colorways of each figure. It might take us two years to release them all, but that's the way we can get to the volume that we need to make." But oh, we'll make this one, and then there's a midnight version, and then there's a glow in the dark version. And for that guy that likes this, he's going to be into it. But there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of other people that aren't. And so there's a whole lot of that sort of stuff that we did when we were making toys in Japan. We still make toys in Japan, but from our Japanese vinyl days that we have translated into action figures because I've collected all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So if I like this, I will probably like this. And there may be another pe- person that likes that as well. True. And so you definitely see where certain lines people are really into that and certain lines people are not True. and you know um you know toxic toxic avengers a perfect example like you know we're behind but like we need to make a couple more weird toxies because every time we make them people are like where's the next toxie yeah. come on yeah that's perfect for that you're not giving me another toxie you know <laughs> and um so maybe i'm skirting it where free spray is a little trickier we do do some of it from time to time there'll be figures where we're doing more of the free spray kind of things that was specific to your question but the lessons if you will from making japanese vinyl we've applied to action figures in a lot of places okay uh that's maybe the the slightly larger answer to okay (laughs) i'm building a turducken answer out of your your question (laughs) No, thank you. I toy turducken. I love it. Uh, yeah. Yoko said needs more glitter. And then yes. uh, we had a very generous super chat from Andy Davis. Uh, this says best meal that Brian has provided for his employees. Best meal? Um, usually, if it's anybody's first day, whenever we come back to the office, we get donuts. So it's hard to argue that donuts isn't the best meal ever. But on people's birthday, they get to pick what they're going to have for lunch. That said, I have a bias. And my bias is I want Mission Chinese, um, which is if they have one in New York now, but the one here is the original. And it is not just Chinese food. It is melt your face, taut level Chinese food. Really? And uh, and, and they're very famous, but... Like they make these things that should not exist that are amazing. So first off is they have Kung Pao pastrami. What? Which is bonkers. And then they have this other thing called three thrice cooked rice with bacon, which are basically, if you didn't know any better, you think they were water chestnuts. They look like sliced water chestnuts. Instead, it's rice that's been cooked three times, I assume, by thrice cooked rice Uh and formed into these discs with bacon with this sauce that is so death. Like I said, you turn into taut. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, uh, (laughs) but it's so flavorful at the same time that you can't stop eating it. So when I go to best meal, it's like, if, if I've got my druthers at all, we bring in Mission Chinese for lunch and it's, 
you know, and then everybody just goes into a coma. I'm so happy right now because Brian, we do a thing here <laughs> where I I call it snack amigos, and I try to talk about food instead of toys. I'm just so glad that we got into a segment of snack amigos tonight. There we go. Yes. I do. And we have uh, another super chat from Thirsty for Chicken, which he says, "Okay, last one. Large scale ultimate Chernabog." So wish list, yes. But I want to talk about Disney Chernabog a lot. So yeah, I want to talk about Disney Ultimates though, because that is like literally one of the big cool lines that you have going on. now I just I'd I'd like you to just talk about it in whole. I'm super excited about Robin Hood personally because that is like a, a like a dream figure for me. Uh, I got I obviously got Prince John, but Robin Hood himself is just like that was like one of the coolest cartoons for me, and I'm so excited about that figure. I have a laundry list of of wish lists for that line, but I want to know is it is it just going to be Disney animated feature films, like what kind of stuff, like what can you talk about? And like, I, I'm excited for this line. So tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. We're going to go all over the place with it. Um, it's very interesting. We also, one thing, it's same thing, listening, you know, not so much when people complain, but just the feedback. Obviously when we launched like turtles for an example, and there was only one turtle in the first wave, immediately everybody was like, oh, I know I'm in for four waves. This is going to be great. Right. You know, we're going to get 16 figures. I'm ready. And we're like, yeah, like we don't need to do all the turtles. Like, you know, let's work our way through it. Right. So we use that same exact thinking with Disney and granted that customer is new to us in a lot of ways. And it had the exact opposite reaction, which is the customer was just kind of going like, what? Like, why would I buy (laughs) Prince John if you don't have Robin Hood? Like, why would I buy this if you don't have that? And I'm like, no, you should know if I'm making Prince John, Robin Hood's coming, right? No, we don't, we don't know that. Yeah. So after wave three, we're changing the, the, the way we've assorted the waves a little bit. But, you know, that was one of the things when we really started talking to Disney, it was the same thing. It was like, there's so much stuff that I want that's never really been made. Like the easy go-to that everybody is like, you know, if we want to make money, Go make Mickey and Daisy and Donald and Goofy. That's where you go. And I was like, what I want, you know, quite literally, the first priority was <laughs> Prince John. Going back to living on base in Bitburg, Germany, on Friday nights, you could take your kids to the daycare and go out to dinner. And it was like, you know, you drop them off at the daycare, you play games for a little while, then they'd play uh, some super eight millimeter films while you laid on your cot and then you went to sleep till your parents came and picked you up. One of those super eights that played over and over again was the soccer match from Robin Hood. Granted, I would see bits and pieces of the whole movie, but the soccer match was the one over and over and over again. So when it was like, okay, hey, we're going to work on Disney and we're going to start making Ultimates, I was like, Prince John, I don't care what else we do in wave one, but we are doing Prince John and we're going to then make Robin Hood as the stork. Yes. Not that blew it, my, it is Robin that, Hood too. That blew me away when you guys did that. Honestly, like I was like, holy cow. That's, that's one of my favorite Disney movies, like period. Hands down. It's, it's Robin Hood. It's jungle book and Peter Pan. Uh, those are like my three favorites. Like, 
but yeah, the all the Robin Hood stuff is oh, I love it. And, and and that was the thing. It was like you know, once again, it's like I don't know how well this is going to work or if it's going to work at all. I think there's somebody out there that wants this, and I don't know where it's going to go. So I'm making sure that Wave One is what I want, mm-hmm. and then in theory, I'm thinking that people understand this disjointed plan that we have. And then, Oh, here's Prince John. So next should be Robin. But you know, it's the same thing. Like what are the, then it was like within me, within Josh, Nomi, Mari, Kyle, you know, everybody within the design team, you know, we're like, who are the characters that we resonate with? Who do we want? And that's how we kind of ended up with the figure selection that we have. You know, that's why, you know, even when you get into wave two, it's Alice and the Mad Hatter, you know, it's not Alice and, you know, some of the other characters. It's like, oh, we're going to go here first. Right. Um, we're going to make the Hyacinth Hippo. We're going to be making, you know, what I think maybe to some people are disjointed and unexpected choices, but we're not trying to necessarily make it for them we're making it for us mm-hmm. at the same time we're also trying to be you know we're listening to the feedback and being cognizant about what we're hearing which is hey if the wave had prince john and robin hood the stork and you would have had the sheriff like sheriff of nottingham like i would have bought those but because there was only one i didn't understand yeah. and so yeah. we'll shift that around because like i said people are you know I listen to what people are saying and do I have to take what they're saying and understand if I think it's valid or not valid and appropriate. And if I, and so in this case like this, we'll move things around a little bit, but it's one of those lines like that it's going to happen. Like what is happening with Ninja Turtles with you guys, where it's like, I think you're going to have to potentially go back to the well, because once people start seeing them and getting them, it's Disney. Like this yeah. is huge. Yeah. It, you know, it, it is. And it, you know, I, I'd like to think that that's a possibility. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what people say. Uh, we have seen time and time again, when we start a new line that once those figures actually landed in hand, that there is an increase in demand. I look at the line and I go, nobody's ever made this. Like the fact is, and it's also boggles my mind is no one's ever made a Prince John toy. Right. Ever. Like, how is that possible? Like, like, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I pre-ordered Prince John immediately because I knew Robin Hood would be coming, but like Robin Hood does that for me. The same thing that like, like, yeah, he's obvious. He's the A-list. He's the hero character, but it's like, man, I've wanted that figure since I was a wee little playing with myself. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'm gonna let that <laughs> roll. I'm you just roll that. with it. I'm gonna roll with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like, you know, we're, we're on wave two of Disney pre-orders, you know, then we'll get to wave three. We'll start delivering. I hope, I believe that that line can go on forever, quite honestly. Oh yeah. And I don't know, I I try to be very cognizant about how much, because they're expensive, how often I'm going to somebody and asking them to buy the toys to collect my line. I don't know once these things land, if all of a sudden we will realize that the demand is so much for something so much faster because nothing like that exists to that community. I I really don't know. I think we're going to organically see how it happens. 
but like I know there's... talk about it. Like Jesus, like, you know, we can rattle off 60 characters real quick. Where oh, you're like, yeah. That's the thing. It's like, I have, like, I started, I, when I was like jotting down notes for topics and questions and like, I got to Disney, I just started, I have like a wish list and it's like, it's silly. We don't, we have lots of other stuff to talk about, but I am, <laughs> I am going to force a little bit of, of, of sing song into this episode again oh, and just man. say, life is like a hurricane <laughs> here in Duckburg. So that's it. Go ahead. Now we can just talk about anything else you want. No comment. I got, I got it out of my system. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll, we'll just sort of see. I mean, it's no different than I, because I have it here because I was just talking to somebody about it, but it's like these things, like nothing like this has ever existed, which no. boggles my mind. Like, how is this possible? Like, this thing is so crazy and it's huge. All the soft goods on it. It's like, if it, I, I, I don't know, like, is that customer going to want it or not? When we made the peanuts ones, obviously you can look back historically and say, okay, hey, were the Dakin toys from the 60s that had some soft goods on them, but they were much more crude. Like, like these look so great. And the reality is with those, like most people have never even seen those. We've already released four different Snoopy supersized vinyls, uh, peanut series supersized and for the most part, no one knows they even exist. Yeah, like they just disappeared. They were gone. Yeah, they're gone. And, you know, it's, you know, so now as we get into Disney, it's like, same thing. Like, what do we not have? I don't need to go make what everybody else is making. That's right. already been done. Let me go make something that you don't have. Something that I want to have. Something that feels exciting and new and different. Like, the, the next two figures after this Mickey for Disney are by far the some of the best toys we've ever made, hands down, period. Oh, wow. Not saying that this one isn't, but I'm just saying the next one and the one after that are, it's just like, same thing. We're just like, oh my God. But it's also <laughs> like, how do we make sure that people see it? How do we make sure that people understand what they're looking at, even when you have it? Um, and I don't know the answer to that. And that's just going to take time. True. True. Yeah. We got, we got another super chat. Um, one from wrestling hound, which I know the answer to, um, he, he's saying is Marvel and star Wars possible for the Disney line. Those are separate licenses, even though it's under Disney, but I, I it is, it, it opens a question that I do have in my list here, which is what are other, some, what are some other licenses that you'd, you'd, love to to have super seven take a crack at in general like well, i i think so so speaking directly to him the reason that marvel and star wars yes they are technically owned by disney they are technically completely different divisions but both of them also have master toy agreements from hasbro mm -hmm. which are pretty ironclad yeah um, you know uh obviously as anybody growing up our my age or quite frankly shit these days Oops, sorry. Uh, anybody's age is, you know, Star Wars is the holy grail of all licenses for a lot of people because it is hard to get. 
Yep. Although it seems like it's not based on how much stuff is out there, but within the toy space, aside from 12 inch deluxe figures, it's very difficult. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff that can be done with Marvel. We had some stuff that we worked on for Mattel for DC that was unlike anything that was out there that got shelved. Oh. So maybe one day that'll all come back around. Who knows? Um, I think the other thing is, is that if I were explicitly to tell you my other dream licenses, uh, somebody else would go get them before I could. Yeah, exactly. you're showing uh, your cards yeah, too yeah, much. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to keep that one a little close to my vest and keep my Valentines right here. There you go. And um, if you get one, you'll know. There you go. <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, that's yeah. Never, never show your cards. I. I not about never showing your cards it's just that those particular cards i'm not going to show you i'll show you other cards but not those uh dan young from uh the hasbro team says don't touch marvel man we respect and collect your stuff brian only respect (laughs) don't touch marvel come on let's work together dan (laughs) this is voltron we need to come together there you go I'm just, I'm just glad that Dan, Dan Yoon is back here. He's been banned before from our chat by uh, overzealous moderators. Yes, so, yes. Welcome back, Dan. Yes, welcome back, well, sir. Well, well, Dan, I hope that one of these days we will get to collaborate on something stunning and beautiful that will make us all happy. Uh, I agree with that. <laughs> They're doing a great job on the retro line as well, by the way. I think that that, that I, I really like that line. Go figure. But I really like that line. <laughs> well, I would never I would never would have thought. But, oh, but, yeah. That's so you crazy. I had I go same thing. I went straight to Hasbro Pulse and ordered that first wave, just like everybody else. And then I picked up bits and pieces of the other ones as I've been able to find them. I know I probably should be a little bit better about just pre-ordering the whole wave ahead of time, but it's the same thing. You still want to be able to walk in and pick it up you mm-hmm. know so, so how, um i'm sure you you have to have seen some of the uh the stuff for the galactus what are your thoughts on that real quick i think it's i think it's impressive i like the fact that stuff like this is being made i like the fact that hasbro's giving an opportunity for those things to exist um i don't collect you know to me it almost becomes this long-winded eventual sort of extension of what toy biz that then became marvel legends that's this and it's really cool i don't feel the need to own it Mm -hmm. because it is such a large-scale action figure for lack of a better description whereas if all of a sudden it was a shogun warrior a jumbo machinder i'd be like oh I have to buy it. And then there'd be a whole host of other people that would be like, it looks stupid. It doesn't look, you know, it's wrong proportions. And why is it shooting missiles? And I'd be like, you know, tomato, tomato here. You don't get it. Yeah. You don't get it, man. You don't get why this is amazing. As far as what it, you know, it's no different. It's, it's, it's kind of a funny thing. Like I didn't order Jabba's sail barge, but I immediately bought the razor crest. So, (laughs) you know, and, and, it, and it really just you came all draw the line like, in the sand somewhere. Well, True. you know, with, with Jabba's sail barge, I was just, as a kid, I was just, you know, I just never thought that Jabba the Hutt was that cool. And I didn't really need his boat. 
Yeah. You know, I, I just wasn't that interested, but you know, a lot of other people were. So it, it's, I were, I love the fact that they're making big, beautiful toys for their collectors and they're giving their design team a chance to do those projects that don't make sense for the shelves of Target and Walmart. And I think that's incredibly important because I can guarantee you somewhere within the Unicron and the Skiff and the Razorcrest and this Galactus, that there is something that they learned making those toys that is finding its way into the DNA of a toy that is going on shelf at Target. And if you're not completely always looking for something new and trying to innovate and make it interesting, you know, you're gonna get caught making the same things over and over again. So there, I love the fact that they are making dramatic toys and toys that are for a limited audience because those toys are great toys that deserve to exist, not because those toys are the most efficient and profitable. Mm -hmm. That said, I would probably argue that the Razor Crest is probably the most fiscally, um, that's the wrong way of putting it, but they probably made more money on the Razor Crest than any spaceship they ever sold to Target or Walmart. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, HasLab is a very, very good idea for Hasbro in general. They're, they're, and, and, and they're, they're picking good projects and they're doing good things. Like, I'm very surprised that the big cookie monster didn't get funded because who doesn't want a life-size cookie monster at their house? I think it's probably more because of the fact of how do you display something that has no feet? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh, but beyond that, it's like, okay, yeah, that didn't work. That doesn't mean you don't keep trying. And right. so uh, the fact that they, they've only had one project that didn't fund means that they're basically batting a thousand. So I, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. I got four Sentinels myself. So yes, <laughs> there you go. I can't wait because, to because you because you because Wolverine has to fight at least three at any given time. They always show up in threes. You know what, Brian? I'm loving you more and more. Just you know, more and more here. Uh, now, now you just while, have we're, to while we're talking about that, I want to talk about the Thunder Tank really fast because one of my desires with the Thunder Tank is oh I am limited in space and like I brought this up a couple times where. The Thunder Tank in the cartoon, frequently the grappling claws used it to climb walls. And I was like, I want the Thunder Tank to be wall mountable. And it's like, all right, if you guys aren't going to make it wall mountable, I'm going to figure out how to make that thing wall mountable on my own. <laughs> Just saying. It used to yes. climb walls. I, I, I'm trying to, I'm going through like, like, I feel like right now it's like that thing when they flash into Steve Austin and like, <laughs> i'm just like think i'm looking because it's literally like two feet from me and i'm just going how would you do that how would you do that how would you do that i mean you'd have to put a couple of those you know keyhole style holes in the bottom and i know that would break up sculpt oh. stuff but it's on the bottom too just saying yeah <laughs> i can figure it out on my own if i have to brian it's fine I'm not gonna put yeah. you on the spot like that 
No, what? no, no, no. It's just no, it's now like, he's thinking. That's yeah, that's what thinking. it is. You got him. You got him going. Oh, I want to spend like the next two days just going like, and I want good. You, thank God. The now, weight ratio would the would the hands fall back? Like, how would you keep this? You know. Now that the, the Toy Amigos Discord will they know that I'm obsessed with making stuff wall mountable for some yes. reason because yes. of lack of display space. So, uh, yeah, that thank you, you for put even a small hearing. engine on it and you drive it around like a clown on those little tiny trains. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> um, one of the questions while we because we were running yeah. low on time, but um, yes. you know, you mentioned Prince John being like something that like you're very excited for. I wanted to know, like, what are some of the toys that you've done that you've worked on that are like some of your fit? And I know this is like picking children. I get it. But like, what are some of your favorites um, worked on? You know, the, the hard part, the funniest part about it is I'm the most excited about any of the projects we work with when I get the test shots. So it's stuff and like Godzilla Ultimates, perhaps. But like, I, I am moving right on. Um, uh, it's, uh, I, I get most excited about the toys at that point. And then, then you get the painted version and you're like, oh, cause when it, the first time it's real and physical, it's like, oh my God, this is insane. It's still exciting to see it in the package. It's still exciting to see it painted, but I'm really, it sounds so cornball. I'm so excited about the next one, the next one. That said, I can go back historically and go like, what are the big ones or the ones that have maybe more resonance than others? You know, the alien set that we did, the very first alien figure and Kane figure that we did, Kane spacesuit to be very clear, like those figures are still some of the, that, that's if the chips are down in the end, that will always probably be my favorite reaction figure because we had no idea any of this would happen. I just wanted so badly those alien prototypes that were on the cover of Tomart. I wanted those for real. And the fact that we made them was, and it took, it, you know, we had to figure this whole thing out back then. So it took a long time to do. And that was, that was one of those things that when we made that figure, of those figures and we went to San Diego Comic-Con in 2014 or 15, 14? Um, somebody's gonna correct me, yeah. there you go. Um, you know, we were going to San Diego with figures that were low likeness, low articulation, low paint app, high price $20 per figure. Uh, and the market at that point was that was right after the multi-articulated stormtrooper had come out. Okay. You know, from from Hasbro. And so the market was $799, $899, lots of articulation, heavy paint apps, very much on model. And we honestly did not believe that we were going to San Diego with something that we figured there'd be a small group of really diehard toy collectors that knew what we were talking about. And that was it. What we, we had no idea the response we were gonna get and that we were tapping into a level of nostalgia that we wanted that so many other people were also looking for. And so not only do I love the fact that we made that because I wanted that, 
but what it offered up to me as a guy that, yes, I had made toys. I've been making vinyls for years, but you know, you're talking about runs of 200 at a time for a very small audience. And it's great. I loved it, but it gave me the opportunity to do, to start the journey that gets us to making all of this, all the other ideas that I have, every other thing I sat around and said, oh man, wouldn't it be cool if, so that, that figure will always have that for me. Um, the worst is another one of those lines that for me is because that was very much our idea and our goofball thing. And is it going to work? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but let's just put it out there. And the fact that it's still going and still evolving wave three's just about to come out wave fours in sculpting right now. Like the fact that we're going to be at like 24, 25 worst figures in another year is kind of unbelievable to me. Like that's amazing. Um, I love uh, sort of similarly when we got to do the three terrors and possess Skeletor and those toys, along with the fact that we got to make our own animation, that 10 minute animated, uh, show like we got to create our own characters for masters of the universe mm -hmm. and then actually make them as five and a half inch masters of the universe figures and and sell them when we debuted the cartoon <laughs> like how it's amazing how how crazy is that i'm sorry i messed <laughs> up again i'm trying i'm okay. trying um but like that was that was crazy. And the fact is now what's crazier to me is I, I only learned this in the past month that possessed the black possessed Skeletor is like a thousand dollars on the secondary market, Ooh. which is crazy to me. But like we got to make our own characters and people bought them and felt like they fit within the vernacular of that show. They weren't foreign. They weren't, that's weird. They were like, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I got, I got to write lines of dialogue that were spoken by Skeletor. Yeah. You know, there's that. Um, and then there's lots of little things. I mean, this, this, I realized this just came out, but this one is, this one is one of the, my favorite things we've ever made. And I was so pumped to do this. And it was like, yeah, it's all we did was scale down the Shogun Godzilla and whatever, but like, <laughs> This makes me feel eight years old yeah. and I can hold, you know, and it's not like, you know, as much as I love the two foot one, I can't hold it in my hand mm -hmm. and, you know, with the tongue and with everything, I'm just like, these are the things that are fun and exciting. So when you ask me about my babies, it's, it's not so much, you know, it's the process of making the toy is the most exciting part of it. And I'm excited. About, I try to be excited about everything we make. If I'm not excited about them, what, why are we making it? Right. Right. There's no, yeah. If you're not excited, if it's too much of a chore, then you're not putting your love into it. If it's just a checklist, then let's not make it. Let's right. not make it. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, I think we're about out of time. Um, thank you so much for coming and hanging out and uh spending the time to talk with us tonight i really appreciate it 
I'm sorry I, 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 I messed up on the cursing twice. It's so. okay. It's all right. Now you've You're got fine. some work to, to do later good for before. Now you got to wait for it. Like, where is it? Oh, man. <laughs> well, at least, at least I know it's towards the end. So I'm good there. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. So I got it. It's no big deal. But, you know, like I said, thank you so much. You know, um, anytime you want to come back, you got to open invite. If there's something new, you know, we, I still have love... like a bunch of other topics written yeah. down over yeah. here. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, I'm ha like, you know, it, 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 it might be painfully obvious. I'm happy to talk about toys all the time. So, uh, oh, we're it, guilty of that too. So. Well, in 438 episodes, I would, I would say yes, you are actually professionally guilty. Yes. That. Oh, yes, for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again whenever, you know. Awesome. Let me know. Awesome. Um, where could everyone keep up with you, Brian? Uh, if you want to keep up with me, the only place I actually exist is on Instagram, and it's literally just Brian Flynn. Uh if you see it on any other social media, it's just being mirrored or reposted. So people will be like, I messaged you on Facebook. It's like, I'm not there. It's, not me. it's a robot. It's not yep. me. I'm right uh, there with you. Instagram is the best social media. Like it's all those I, other I, ones. I, I, only, I have Rabbit time hole. for one. I have time yeah. for one and that is it. Um, and then you can follow Super 7, just Super and the number 7 uh, on any of your social media accounts. And they're out there actively active. Um, yeah. All right. That's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, thank you to the chat, Migos. And thank you for all the uh, generous super chats. Uh, we got one last one from Jesse Lewis. Thanks for the awesome show. Thank you, sir. Um, as always, I am Cheney180. I'm playing with myself. I'm Brian Flynn, I guess. All right, perfect. You and, don't want uh, to use your superhero name, Brian? I don't have a superhero <laughs> name. I don't have time for aliases. It's like just no, it's it's just me. Like I don't just come find me. You know where I'm at. All right. <laughs>